time once again for TM Views, where we get our expert opinions on major news developments. Joining us today from Kyungi University Law School is Professor Song Se-ryan. Hello. Hello. Well, Professor Song, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we are going to be talking about the uh, Ancheolsu wind again. It looks like a wind that has been uh, affecting the uh, main opposition party now, as uh, we have seen the ripple effects and the repercussions of Ancheolsu being kind of making that uh, big early announcement that he intends to run for the mayoralship of the city of Seoul. The People Power Party now in a bit of a dilemma, Professor Song. They have a lot of candidates who have signaled their intention to run. Uh, but uh, Kim Jong-in, the uh, leader, does seem to be a little bit perplexed as to how to handle the An question as well as the question of consolidating the candidacies uh, on the opposition side. Uh, they say that the primary election is likely to be 100% based on public polling, which may be seen as an enticement to An What are your thoughts on what's been going on so far with this negotiation to get a unified candidacy? Right. I, I think it's a case that Anchesu and PPP uh, need each other at this point. Uh, probably in the ruling uh, party's uh, case, Park young probably is a candidate to beat, but uh, PPP candidates yet do not have the ticket power, it seems. Uh, PPP, the party, has been disgraced about six months ago at the general election, so maybe it's too soon for them to be uh, in, in, in a, a highly trusted list in the public's mind. So in that case, um, even, even though the ruling party has been making some missteps, uh, it, it doesn't mean that the PPP or the main opposition would get the, the most of the benefit. So uh, in the upcoming election, which is a very important election, uh, probably PPP wants to have a, a, a candidate who uh, that does have the power to carry the, the general uh, trust. So in that sense, uh, PPP, even though they have a lot of candidates, probably uh, the, the, the Anchorsu represents a kind of a short power uh, ticket for them to kind of rally around. So in that sense, I, I think I think that the Anchorsu needing the the the, the base of the par- party like the PPP and PPP wanting uh, uh, the candidate, they can kind of rally around. In that case, they need each other. But uh, I think that the the, the dilemma that the, the Kim Jong Un has is that Anchorsu remains a a outsider. So in that sense, how. Uh, they entice Anchorsu in their party, or uh, whether PPP can uh, uh, play a, a central role in organizing and selecting the candidate. That would be the key. Right. So what you're saying, they need each other. Anchorsu needs that uh, big party structure that the PPP provides. Uh, PPP needs a compelling candidate that would have a shot to win the election. However, as you know very well, the uh, PPP would prefer to have it be their own candidate, right? And and kind of uh, ride off the coattails of some of the more moderate elements that Anchorsu might be attracting into their fold. So it's really a question of negotiation leverage and who will con- dictate the terms of this negotiation. Um, one way to combat the uh, lack of uh, compelling big-name presence to 
um, counter An Su, despite all of these many candidates, is that they are, are retreading some of these old school guys, right? Uh, Na Kyung-won, the former floor leader, and then the former mayor, Oh Se-woon, who both famously uh, lost because of the, um, the free lunch school issue causing Oh Se-woon to resign, and then subsequently that by-election where uh, Na Kyung-won famously lost to Park Won-soon in the Seoul mayoral race, which we saw then uh, 10 years of uninterrupted uh, rule on the ruling party side. Do you think those, it has to be these major old school kind of figures or do you think a fresh face or how do you think this is all going to be uh, working out to uh, get the PPP a uh, desired candidate? Because Kim Jong-un does seem to be looking at this kind of younger, fresher type of crowd. Right. But I, I think from the Kim Jong-un's point of view, uh, there, there is a major concern uh, uh, apart, even apart, apart from the Seoul mayoral race, which is the party itself has not really established in, itself as a, having certain directions or color. Uh, I think from the Kim Jong-un's point of view, uh, this is a pretty good chance at the Seoul mayoral election mm-hmm. uh, to get the party I- I- in line or the, the get the party go through a certain uh, competitive stage to have uh, different uh, candidates come out and uh, have a marketplace of ideas, and having uh, going going through that process would, from the public's point of view, uh, see the party kind of get get their messages uh, uh, aligned, or have a certain color or the direction clearly uh, manifested. So. Uh, I, I think Nagyeongwon or Oseon, yes, uh, they are the, the names that people can recognize and the, the, uh, the old names that probably uh, is recognize the heavyweights. Yeah. Uh, but uh, not having just those names in front does not really guarantee anything at this point. As I said, they were disgraced six months ago. And uh, they're the party that the... the uh, that had a pretty big uh, failure uh, when we are talking about Wuseon and and the, the past experiences. Sure. So uh, probably Kim Jong wants to use An Chosu as a kind of outside pressure to uh, go through, have the PPP go through that the crucial process of establishing the party as a a, a clearly a colored and also having a consistent message. Right. But to be fair, uh, An Chasu also has a, a very losing record in recent brave. He finished third in the presidential race. He finished uh, third, embarrassingly, in the previous uh, Seoul uh, mayoral race. So a, a lot of these guys really have a, a lot of political capital at stake here if, should they decide to run. Now, if we talk about these candidates like Na Kyung-won, Oh Se-won, maybe running to the right of An Chasu from the PPP side, maybe running slightly to the left of An Chasu but still on the opposition side, since he left the ruling party, is the former lawmaker Kim Tae-sup, who was, of course, a former chief aide to An Chosu during uh, An Chosu's uh, first emergence into the political world. He is announcing that he will uh, decide on the uh, Seoul uh, race uh, pretty soon, uh, expected that he will run as well. Does his presence complicate the issue, or do you think that's going to be a real minor factor? I, I tend to think that it's a minor factor, but uh, I do agree with Kum Tessop uh, in, in thinking that Kum Tessop's presence will uh, spur uh, those opposition party candidates in the right direction. Mm. Uh, what I mean by it is that 
the, the, the way he announced his candidacy is that um, I, I think his main message is that the ruling party is uh, fumbling uh, at this point and the, the opposition, uh, even though the opposition is not exactly the trusty group, the, there has to be a consistent message uh, coming from the opposition party candidates that the, the, the ruling party, what ruling party is doing. Uh, is out of arrogance and also probably having a a a, a misguided plans for for the governance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those kind of messages, uh, regardless of whether Kumtesov has a realistic chance of becoming a mayor or not, uh, would go to the, the, what it signifies to have a, a a process from the opposition to go through. Uh, the uh, this uh, comp- competitive process where a lot of messages come out, and that's uh, uh, also uh, transmitted to the 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 general public. I think the general public needs to see the opposition party kind of uh, getting their act together, and Kumtesa wants to contribute to that process. I think. Uh, that it sounds like a very a, a, a sacrificial kind of stance and beneficial process, but I think he is looking uh, towards the future where he can establish as a somewhat of a catalyst mm-hmm. to get the opposition parties together and probably looking uh, towards uh, the future uh, opportunities for himself. So it feels like you're fairly confident that the opposition and the Anshu side will come to some sort of uh, agreement where they will be able to field a unified candidacy uh, and, as you say, realize that they need each other uh, and this process going forward before the April uh, by-election, which is actually getting closer and closer uh, as we speak right now, as we creep towards uh, the middle of January. Do you think there is, though, any space then for a far-right candidate to come out? Because both the PPP and the Antisu side are not necessarily going to be representing the interests of that uh, Teguki crowd, which still comprises, according to some estimates, about 15% of the population. And, uh, you know, you have people like Kim Moon-soo who probably could wait in the wings and say, you know what, I can get that kind of support again. I beat Antisu before, I can beat him again. And so you might wonder how they will have to strategically try to encompass that uh, side of the conservative aisle. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but from the Kim Jong Un's point of view, uh, the, the point remains the same. Uh, what I mean by it is that if uh, he thinks that Kim Cha Su has a realistic chance, uh, his only uh, uh, probably a concern is how to get him into the PPP uh, right. uh, PPP tent. Uh, but if the far right uh, candidates, if they have some chances, then Kim Jong would say, "Well, uh, let's see uh, how uh, how you guys do mm. in the competitive stage. Whether you get the, the public support enough to uh, make them a viable candidate." Uh, in that sense, having a legitimate but uh, very carefully uh, well planned a, a primary and the competition inside the inside the, the PPP would be a very important chance. And I go back to the message, message uh, earlier that uh, this is important not only for the, the mayoral uh, election coming up, but uh, a process that the PPP has to go through uh, uh, in their uh, 
in their stage, uh, because only because the ruling party is not doing well does not mean that PPP automatically get all the uh, the support from the public. Uh, they have to establish themselves as a party to trust, and that's important not only for the mayoral election, but the presidency election coming up. So it's a necessary stage, and as you mentioned, the unified candidacy is 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 a must uh, because without that, the the ruling party would get the okay. the undeserved uh, benefit anyway. So uh, if it breaks down, nothing gets done. Uh, so right. uh, in that sense, PPP has to uh, uh, aim for the unified candidate in the end. Uh, but how you get there would be a very important step at this point. We spent most of the time on the opposition side, but just very briefly as the final question on the ruling side. And I think despite the lower approval ratings, it's, it's going to be a close election, especially in the, the Seoul mayoral race. Um, you mentioned Park Young-sun being the candidate to beat. There are other candidates, including the former floor leader Woo Sang-ho, uh, rumored that other candidates may be jumping in, including Park Ju-min. Um, you do feel that it is still Park Young Sun's race to lose should she decide to run? Uh, I think so. If you look at the recent poll, Park Young Sun is clear the, the front runner. Uh, but of course, you, other than Anchor Su, uh, if you look at the ruling party's faction, uh, Chumie, she's uh, uh, figured in a high on the list, but I don't think. She has a broad support at this point. So uh, other candidates, uh, you can you can name Usan Hu and you can name um, uh, others. But uh, at this point, uh, Park Young-sun is the uh, candidate to beat. All right. Well, that's where the race stands right now. Uh, obviously, uh, this is very fluid and things can change, especially on the opposition side. And so it's going to be very fascinating next few months. Professor Song, as always, Thank you very much for the analysis. Appreciate it and look forward to talking to you again next week. My pleasure. Thank you. This morning with Henry Shin on TBS EFM. This is News Therapy, where we try to get you insights into the psychology behind social issues. Today, we have joining us once again from Chuhian Counseling and Coaching Center, Dr. Chuhian. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning to you, Dr. Chu. So it's a New Year's. We wish you a happy New Year. On happy New Year's New Year. Day, uh, the Ministry of Health and Welfare posted a short video, uh, video on social media, this uh, promotional video. Uh, was intended to encourage people to beat the coronavirus blues, but um, <laughs> really, um, maybe they had good intentions, but the video drew a lot of criticisms, and it was deleted a day after. Um, so the ministry apologized for its uh, so-called lack of consideration. First, can you tell us about the main criticisms of this video? Yes, um, so the video shows six people, dancing and singing at home to beat the corona blues. And as you mentioned, um, the video's intention seems, it seems to be a well-intentioned video um, to encourage people to cope with corona blues. 
and follow social distancing guidelines. Um, and in, in, it is a good intention because actually, in fact, number of people experiencing depression are increasing. But, um, and the caption of the video says, like, it's posted to cheer people up. Um, but these, their intentions, despite their intentions, it includes some humor mm. that seems inappropriate. And it rather drew criticisms uh, rather than uh, people's like following better social distance measures and actually cheering people up. And major criticisms of this video includes um, lack of consideration for noise between floors. So when they're dancing, they're jumping, and it creates noise in apartments. So therefore, unrealistic for actually people to practice. And the, another criticism, major criticism is violating gathering ban on groups of five or more people. Mm. So more like six people are dancing together and again, it uh, violates the gui- government guidelines. And like, some criticize the video as waste of tax money. What are then some of the possible reasons you think that uh, it was uh, quite a negative response here? So again, I think like one of the video content is well intentioned, but they had maybe the wrong use of humor um, related to COVID uh, issues. So, you know, humor can be used to actually like make people smile and cheer up people. Um, and but you, when you are using uh, topics of tragic event or hard times, the humor ha- humor has to be. Uh, really carefully used. Um, it can create, it can be really tricky because humor can be really address, address many people's attention, but it can also be offensive um, when it's too violent, or it can be also boring if it's too gentle. Um, so benign violation theory of humor, it provides some guidelines so, because humor can be so tricky. Yeah. And they, uh, they emphasize that psychological distance uh, provo- can provide some guidelines to determine whether the humor can be appropriate and gain attention or can be criticized. And these four factors include, one, a spatial distance. So, for example, like if there's a tragedy uh, out in the outside universe, like, say, Mars, mm. then people will be less likely to be offended um, also, social distance is important. Um, if for us, like some having maybe grandparents going through Japanese colonization, um, if someone makes humor out of Japanese colonization, it can become, again, really offensive. Mm. Um, another factor is temporal factor. So like COVID, for example, being um, an issue that we are currently facing can be a really, again, a tricky issue to make a humor out of. Um, if we make something from like 100 years ago, it will be easier and um, to, for people to take. Uh, the fourth factor is a mental factor. So when we think of a hypothetical event, um, then it is also less threatening and less likely to be offended. Mm. But these videos seem to violate all these. Right. Uh, You've also noted how uh, music parodies that are more entertaining and and they can potentially deliver hopeful messages to people. Could you give us some examples of that? Yes. Um, So, for example, like Neil Diamond, 
uh, famous singer of sang um, Sweet Caroline. Mm-hmm. He posted a YouTube video, a sing-along video, um, noting that music can deliver messages to promote social distancing and it can make people feel good. So he encourages people to sing along together of a revised, um, uh, changed lyrics. So, for example, um, instead of saying like, oh, hands, touching hands, um, he changed it to hands, washing hands. Uh, I'm not going to sing it now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like these are like a humor, using humor in a good way and effective way to deliver such messages. Interestingly, though, it's not always just positive messages. Sometimes like darker or satirical messages work as well. For example, um, Bekain's Corona Song, which is a satirical description of life in the pandemic, that's also gained popularity. What are possible explanations for that? Yes, so this video, um, despite its dark humor, uh, drew 1.6 million views on YouTube. And it's, I, see, I saw some people also like humming this song, like making use of these songs. And the lyrics of this song is quite cynical and even tragic in some parts. and also inappropriate words in some parts. Um, But still, it gained wide popularity, and this popularity can be from empathy and catharsis. So lyrics include some empathic factors that many people experience nowadays, um, such as like overeating and gaining weight, um, losing jobs, and savings going low, and like the pain of wearing masks. Um, And also it gives some catharsis, cathartic experience by expressing anger um, toward those who don't practice social distancing, not wearing masks. Mm. So these people can really relate to the lyrics of the Bekkine music. We're almost out of time, but uh, just briefly, what would you say are the explanations to this kind of popularity? Uh, So humor can be um, an effective way to coping mechanisms and also deliver some social positive messages. Um, But again, I'm going to borrow from the benign violation theory of humor. Mm. Um, A humor, failure or success, uh, depends on unique blend of moral threat, emotional safety, and psychological distance. So you need to really be cautious in order to use the humor, no matter what your intentions are. There is definitely a fine line between being edgy and, and, and dark in the humor and veering into that realm of unacceptability. And as you say, it's, it's, that's why not a lot of people can be comedians. It's, it's a very, very right. difficult skill to do. Uh, always appreciate it, Dr. Jude. Thank you very much. And we always look forward to talking to you again. Stay safe out there. Uh, stay safe. And thank you. That's going to do it for our program as well. Our producers are Kang Jin Soo and Kim Jae Sun. Our writers are An Yu Jung, Song Eun Ji, and Song Yi Won. Coming up next is Life Abroad. Stay tuned for that. We're going to be back tomorrow at 7 a.m. for another edition of This Morning. Until then, please enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe out there. This has been Henry Shin. Goodbye.